We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon's wide receiver room is going to look a little bit different in 2023. What does that mean for the Oregon offense? That's today's focus on the Ducks Dish podcast. Oregon fans, what's going on? How's everybody doing? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to tune into another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you're listening or wherever you're viewing today's episode. You can find me on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus and on Twitter at M Taurus Sports. So in today's episode, we are talking about the wide receiver room. And more specifically, we are talking about Treshawn Holden, the former Alabama wide receiver. The big news coming out on Wednesday, February 15th that Holden was arrested according to Lane County uh, public records. He was uh, arrested on three charges. The charges listed were coercion, menacing, and unlawful use of a weapon. Again, that coming from uh, Lane County records. Um, it is worth no noting that uh, all those charges have been cleared uh, according to today's um, today's Lane County records. So those three charges have been cleared. But um, the big update after the arrest is that Dan Lanning has dismissed Treshawn Holden from the Oregon football program in a statement that was released through a university spokesperson on Wednesday, uh, just trying to lay out all the facts and all the statements. And then we'll get into kind of what this means for Oregon moving forward. So this is the full statement from Dan Lanning. We are aware of the incident involving Treshawn Holden, and he has been dismissed from our team. We have high standards for the student athletes, coaches, and staff in our football program, and we are disappointed when, those, when these standards are not met. We will continue to hold everyone in our program accountable for meeting our expectations. So after committing to Oregon, you know, just a little over two months ago on December 11th, Treshawn Holden doesn't look like he's going to be with the Oregon football team in 2023, and that's some significant news. So we're going to kind of get into how this affects the wide receiver room, how this affects the offense, the first year of Will Stein's offense. We've already seen a lot of movement at the wide receiver position 
since the end of last season, right? You had seven McGee uh, entering the transfer portal. I think he was kind of the first receiver domino for Oregon. If you want to call, uh, if you want to call him a domino in this movement with the wide receiver room at Oregon. And then you also have Dante Thornton who entered the transfer portal. Definitely the biggest name on Oregon's roster from a receiver standpoint that entered the transfer portal really looked like he was kind of finding a, a larger role for himself at Oregon. He came on after Chase Cota got hurt in the Cal game. Thornton had a really big game against Washington against Utah, had a huge catch against Utah that I, I don't know if Oregon wins that game without that catch from Dante Thornton. So um, we're just talking about kind of what the, the room looks like. Um, want to focus a little bit more on Holden real quick. Sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. So Holden was committed to transfer to Oregon, already enrolled at Oregon after spending the past three seasons at the University of Alabama uh, with the Crimson Tide. He caught 46 passes for 570 yards and seven touchdowns in two seasons of action with the Tide. He originally came out of the uh, high school class of 2020, of 2020. Um, and he redshirted as a true freshman uh, in Tuscaloosa, so had a year to develop, and then he had pretty, two pretty solid seasons with the Crimson Tide, uh, and he was a solid piece of that rotation and that offense, and um, saw you know a pretty good amount of playing time. Obviously, was was definitely a, a starter. You know, he wasn't the the focal point of that offense with with Bryce Young and and so many other weapons, but. He had some some you know solid production, and I think that he was really poised to play a significant role at Oregon in terms of just how the wide receiver room was was shaking out for 2023 after some of that movement that we've seen. Um, so let, let's let's just kind of rewind a little bit and talk about how the Oregon wide receiver room has changed since the end of the 2022 season. And then how it's looking right now with with some of the pieces that have been added and and you know what's What's ahead for Junior Adams in the wide receiver room in Will Stein's first year as the Oregon Ducks offensive coordinator? So we talked about Seven McGee. He's going to Jackson State. Dante Thornton heads to the SEC to play for the Tennessee Volunteers. Really like that fit for Dante Thornton uh, with, with a big time quarterback and Nico Iamaleava coming in. You know, from my neck in the out from my neck in the woods, neck of the woods uh, at Downey High School in at Warren High School, excuse me, in Downey, California. Got to see Nico play this year, and he is a stud. Okay, so let's see. We You you lose Thornton and McGee, um, who didn't play massive roles for Oregon, but when you look at the returning production for Oregon in 2023, I think that their losses become more notable, specifically at that wide receiver spot. We'll talk about the wide receiver spot, and then we'll talk about the offense as a whole, right? So you lose those two guys, and then you also lose Chase Coda, who was the number two wide receiver for Oregon uh, a year ago. You know, veteran guy comes back to his home state of Oregon after transferring from UCLA to finish out his college career. Had a pretty solid season. Like I said, the number two wide receiver for Oregon in 2022 finished 10 games, 36 catches for 497 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so I think that that was definitely some solid production for Chase Coda. I think that maybe you expected a little bit more out of him. Um, but I think part of that was because Troy Franklin was just so strong last year. Troy Franklin comes back to Eugene in, uh, 2023 for his third year of college football and, and 
2021, he he kind of broke into the starting lineup late when when Mario Cristobal was still the head coach at Oregon. And then in 2022, he just really took it up a notch. And I think that that wasn't much of a surprise because in 2021, you had a run-heavy offense, lots of screens, lots of short passes, lots of checkdowns with, with Anthony Brown at quarterback and, and Mario Cristobal, you know, having a, a pretty strong control of that offense, right? That's no secret at this point, even though Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator, but Troy Franklin was pretty limited as a true freshman, even though he was clearly talented enough to, to find the field, to see the field with a wide receiver room that was pretty loaded, you know, pretty, pretty stacked with experience. You know, got Johnny Johnson, Devin Williams, Jalen Red all on the team back in 2021. And then in 2022, it's like you just, you know, you just took it up a whole nother level with Troy Franklin. He finished the year as Oregon's leading wide receiver in 13 games of action. Troy Franklin caught 61 passes. 891 yards receiving and nine touchdowns all of those were a team high and then another team high averaged 68.54 yards per game I'd say my favorite memory of Troy Franklin from last year was the huge deep catch against BYU where Autzen just roared um, so so loud and I feel like that sound really kind of encapsulated that the deep ball, that the vertical passing attack had been something that this Oregon fan base and this Oregon football program had been missing for so long. And it looks like it's definitely back, at least if we're going off of last year. So you get Troy Franklin back. That's that, that's that's still there. Uh, you lose Chase Coda, who was one of your, your best wide receivers. And then you saw some more movement within the transfer portal, right? You saw Caleb Chapman hit the transfer portal. If you remember, he transferred from Texas A&M, but really couldn't find the field uh, at Oregon, you know, had a, a fairly long injury history before he came to Oregon when he was out at College Station playing for, for the Aggies. You also have Isaiah Crocker, a veteran wide receiver. He entered the transfer portal after coming to Oregon in the class of 2018, I want to say, um, out of Northern California in that Sacramento area. And then you had uh, Isaiah Brevard, an All-American wide receiver from um from the South. I want to say he was right on the border of Tennessee and Mississippi, but I think that he was from Tennessee. I want to say South Haven high school, if, uh, if that is correct. So you lose a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of bodies at the wide receiver position. That's, you know, pretty much the easiest way to say it. And I think that it wasn't a huge surprise to see Dante Thornton leave because you saw how talented he was, but he really didn't get that much of a role and, and until Chase Coda got hurt. So, you know, you can you can let me know how you feel in the comments, you know, comparing, you know, Dante Thornton to Chase Coda, but obviously the, the coaching staff favored Chase Coda in that role. So um, you know, that kind of just led to to Dante Thornton, you know, being a, more of a rotational piece. And then you also have Chris Hudson. Chris Hudson had a really solid year, and it feels like he's kind of coming into his own the more and more snaps that he plays. Uh, the more big time matchups that he gets to have as a wide receiver at the University of Oregon. He was the number three wide receiver on this team. Chris Hudson was from last year, 44 catches for 472 yards. That was number three on the team in both categories. Um, but he ultimately wasn't able to. Um, oh, he was actually number two on the team. I'm sorry. Uh, that was 44 catches was number two behind Troy Franklin's 61. So, you know, he's clearly doing a good job with that volume. And I think he's definitely a, a shifty playmaker kind of a guy, definitely a real technical, not super imposing from a physical standpoint. But I think that last year showed you that Chris Hudson is well on his way to, uh, you know, stepping into his own more and getting more comfortable as a wide receiver at the University of Oregon. 
So we kind of went through all the wide receivers from last year. Uh, but, you know, with, with Chase Cota leaving, I think it was really looking like it was going to be Troy Franklin and Chris Hudson as, you know, your, your, you know, solidified one and two guys. And then Trayshawn Holden was probably going to be that third starting wide receiver, you know, depending on what kind of a package you wanted to roll out uh, as a, as an offense, right? If you wanted three receivers versus four receivers. Um, but I think that you saw how valuable it was to have a veteran experienced guy that, that, uh, you know, had some production at UCLA and, and Chase Coda in this offense. And I think that Trayshawn Holden was, was someone that was kind of slated to, to really fill that need nicely. And I want to be clear. I don't think that Trayshawn Holden was, you know, a player that Oregon desperately needed per se at the wide receiver spot. Uh, you have some some encouraging young guys I'm going to talk about as well in that wide receiver room. But but after you lose Chase Coda, I think that it, it would have definitely elevated the floor of the offense if you had another veteran guy that you could kind of just more or less use as a plug and play. And then you can kind of develop some of those younger guys a little bit more comfortably or a little bit more slowly. You You, you never want to be in a position, I think, regardless of what spot you're talking about on the field, you never want to be in a position where you're playing young guys in some cases, in some instances, true freshmen out of necessity. I think for, from my point of view, I think you, you want to be playing those true freshmen because they're better than some of your other players you have. So, I mean, that was, that was, you know, the case a little bit with, with Troy Franklin when he saw the field as a true freshman at wide receiver, but there haven't been a whole lot of guys at wide receiver for Oregon that have pushed for early playing time that like in that same sense, right? You know, Johnny Johnson saw some good time as a wide receiver uh, early on in his Oregon career, but I think that was more so out of necessity uh, than it was, you know, he was just that much better than everybody else in, in the wide receiver room. But Oregon's wide receiver room has changed pretty dramatically, you know, over the past couple seasons, right? You look at the job that Brian McClendon did, when he was a recruiter on the Oregon staff before he followed Mario Cristobal to Miami and eventually ended up leaving Coral Gables to go back to Athens and join Kirby Smart's staff uh, at the University of Georgia. Uh, he was a, a phenomenal recruiter for Oregon, right? He he got guys like Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton and Isaiah Brevard, you know, three high school All-Americans in one class. That was one of the most talented wide receiver halls that Oregon has had in, in quite some time. And then Junior Adams comes in as a wide receiver coach, comes over from Washington, you know, some decent experience uh, from, at Washington, Eastern Kentucky, um, also at Eastern Washington when, when he was coaching Cooper Cup before he got to the NFL. Junior Adams comes in and there really isn't much of a drop off at all, I would say, in that wide receiver recruiting class. I think that you lose, you lose, you know, one of your best recruiters with McClendon and, and you lost some really talented wide receivers in that 2022 recruiting class, right? You know, let's just take a look at some of those receivers that Oregon had committed in 2022. You had Ted Tyroa McMillan from Servite high school out here in Anaheim, California and the Trinity league. I want to say he was a California Gatorade player of the year. Absolute stud. He ends up, he ends up at Arizona after the coaching transition. And then you had Isaiah Satania from Arkansas from Fayetteville one of the fastest wide receivers in the country. He was committed. You were also going after Darius Clemens, a really talented wide receiver from the state of Oregon, Westview High School. But that class really changed quite a bit after that coaching transition, as you would expect, right? Um, and then Junior Adams got hired 
and he was able to really get to work pretty quickly. I think the the big success story in the 2022 class has to be Kyler Casper out of the state of Arizona, six foot six, right around the 200 pound mark. He was a class of 2023 guy that reclassified to 2022. So you have a guy that gets to Oregon. There was a lot of hype around him, a lot of excitement, and, and understandably so. But he ultimately ends up utilizing a red shirt um, and, and doesn't see the field a whole bunch as a true freshman. But now you, you look ahead to next year and what the right wide receiver spot looks like now, you know, you, you don't want to find yourself in this situation where you have to dismiss a player, right? Especially a guy that looked like he was going to be a key piece. But, you know, fortunately for Oregon, the, the cupboard isn't bare. I think that's the biggest point that I'm getting at is that the cupboard is not bare for junior Adams and the rest of this offensive staff, because you have a guy like a Kyler Casper, who was an all American, you know, caliber player coming out of high school. He's had a whole year uh, in, in that Oregon offense, you know, adjusting to the college level and just being a student athlete at the college level. Um, he's going to have his first full true off season. Now, you know, when, when guys are reclassifying, there's, there's so much that goes into this process. Not every school, allows reclassifying or even early enrolling so you know i i'm pretty positive with with casper's case he was just working his tail off with obviously all of his training in the weight room all the practicing to to you know hone in on his craft and then you got to factor in all of the schoolwork that comes with that and oftentimes it's a lot of classes a lot of credits in a short amount of time so I wrote a story the other day about maybe Kyler Casper could be Oregon's breakout wide receiver in 2023. I think it's fair to say that Troy Franklin was that guy in 2021, 2022, excuse me, for Oregon. But Kyler Casper is not only the tallest wide receiver in that room, he might be the most athletic. He might be the most athletic, but you know, that those are two things that definitely help you find the field, but you also have to be, you know, technically sound. You gotta, you gotta be a good route runner. You got to have a good feel for the game, you know that football IQ. Um, so all that isn't necessarily going to lead him, lead to him finding the field a lot more in 2023. But I think that it absolutely bodes a little bit better for him to ultimately find the field sooner rather than later in the 2023 season. Now that he's gotten more adjusted to the college level and and he looks like he could definitely be poised to to take a bigger step in his development. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And then another guy you have to talk about in 2022, um, just taking a, a quick sip of water here as we keep on going here on the Ducks Dish podcast. Oregon was able to get Justice Lowe from um from the Lake Oswego area. Um, Justice Lowe comes out of Portland. Lake Oswego High School, six foot one, 182 pounds, was was a late addition for Oregon. He was formerly committed to the Utah Utes, Kyle Whittingham, and the back-to-back champion Utah Utes. But Junior Adams is able to enter the picture there, you know, extends that offer to Justice Lowe, and and it was pretty much a done deal. I think with him, it's it's maybe something that's a bit of an underrated element in Oregon football now, but it it kind of means more to these guys that are from the state of Oregon when they get that opportunity. And when you have those guys that are, you know, power five Oregon caliber guys in your own backyard in your state, you got to make sure that you, you, um, you know, have them playing for Oregon. You don't want them playing for, for Utah when you have to go face them and what's becoming a very, very good rivalry for between Oregon and Utah. So Kyler Casper, Justice Lowe, two guys from the 2022 class that could potentially be carving out more significant roles in the Oregon offense. Now that, Treshawn Holden has been dismissed from the program, but Treshawn Holden wasn't the only wide receiver that Junior Adams went out and got in the transfer portal. We need to talk about Tez Johnson. Tez Johnson is another interesting name in this wide receiver room. He comes over to Oregon after transferring from Troy. He's already enrolled at the university, so he's getting he's wasted no time getting acclimated to Eugene and and getting in the, the weight training program with, with Wilson Love and the rest of the strength and conditioning staff. Um, and I think that's particularly important for Tez Johnson because he definitely has a slight frame, right? Five foot 10, right around 150 pounds. So definitely, uh, uh, you know, more of a, a speed, you know, fast twitch guy than, you know, a 50-50 ball that's going to win a lot of uh, contested passes. I think that Tez Johnson is kind of a guy that that looks like he projects to be, you know, more of a slot receiver, kind of a similar role to to that of Chris Hudson. So, uh, but I also think he's kind of a, a little bit of a under the radar, underrated addition to this wide receiver room for Oregon in 2023. You know, not only was he one of the highest graded PFF college football wide receivers last year, but with him, you know, if you haven't already heard the story of him being Bo Nix's adopted brother, you know, they they uh, played a lot of football together out uh, out in Pinson, Alabama during their high school days. So they have that chemistry. They have that connection. So maybe with, with Trayshawn Holden's uh, dismissal, we see a guy like Tez Johnson have a more significant role for this offense in, in 2023. Um, let's see what else. What else do I have here? I think... So yeah, we've talked about the wide receiver. I mean, I think we've covered a lot of wide receivers, the guys that are already there. Um, there's two more guys that we need to talk about because Oregon signed a pair of really, really talented high school recruits at the wide receiver position in 2023. We'll start off with Ashton Cozart, who's already enrolled at Oregon, coming out of Marcus High School in Flower Mound, Texas. He's no slouch in his own right. You know, he comes to Oregon as an Under Armour All-American, uh, a guy who 
was, was fairly consistently rated and ranked throughout the high school recruiting cycle, but I think he, for the most part, saw his stock increase. You know, he's originally from the Pacific Northwest, moved out to Texas, and I think that's really only going to help serve his game to help him elevate going against all that star-studded talent out in the Lone Star State. Um, that's definitely something that you want to do. Uh, you know, iron sharpens iron kind of a deal. Um, but I want to say he's right in the neighborhood of 6'2", so he's definitely got some some good length on his on his side as a as a true freshman at Oregon. He already enrolled, you know, kind of did that standard deal that a lot of these high school recruits do. They go out and play in their All-American Bowl, and then once the bowl game's over, they are on a plane to their school of choice. And that was pretty much the case with Ashton Kozar after he wrapped things up in Orlando. Uh, definitely a guy who has a lot of vertical speed, uh, a good route runner, you know, pretty polished. He trained with one of the best wide receiver coaches uh, in the state of Texas. Um, I'm actually going to see if I can look him up right now. Um, yeah, so his name, the wide receiver trainer, his name is Margin Hooks. And he trained a lot of really talented wide receivers, um, you know, over a span of years, right, over a number of years. But Hooks, with the 2023 class, you have him working with Kozart. And then he also trained Jonte Cook out of DeSoto High School, one of the top receivers in the country. Had Oregon in his top three uh, at one point, along with Texas and, and Michigan. But Jonte Cook trained under margin Hooks, and he was one of the best wide receivers in the state at DeSoto. So Kozart... You know, you got to think about the guys that he's surrounding himself with. He's training with one of the best coaches in Texas, training with some really, really talented wide receivers. So I think that he is someone that maybe doesn't project to start as a true freshman, but I think he's someone that could find his way onto the field and, and you know, make the most out of those four games uh, in that redshirt rule. If he um, if the staff chooses to redshirt him in 2023. And then the other wide receiver that everybody wants to talk about and that you absolutely have to mention is Jurion Dickey, the five-star wide receiver that Oregon signed in the 2023 class, the only five-star caliber guy that uh, the five-star recruit that Oregon signed in 2023. Dickey is as good as you will find uh, in any wide receiver. You know, the only guy he finished behind was Las Vegas Bishop Gorman wide receiver, Zachariah Branch, who's headed to USC. Um, so you know, you see Lincoln Riley getting guys like that, and that's why Dan Lanning's getting guys like Roderick Pleasant and Dalen Austin um, from uh, the high school ranks out here in Southern California. But Jurion's a special talent, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 210, 215 pounds. He's a physical, imposing guy, and he's someone that I think the expectation is, um, you know, we have to see when he gets to campus that, that he could possibly enroll early in time for spring football. But I think the expectation is for – for the most part with Jurion Dickey is that he's going to be a guy that can start right away um, or at least be on the field with getting meaningful snaps as a true freshman. And, and I think he's someone that ultimately has the billing and the um, skill set coming to the college level to be a guy who goes three and out, who only needs three years of, of college football to ultimately get himself to the next level. So I think that's huge. Uh, Jurion's going to be a, a big part of this Oregon offense, I think, uh, if not in 2023, certainly during some por some portion of his college football career. So we've talked a lot on this show about the, the way that the Oregon wide receiver room has changed. And we've talked about the guys that left, the guys that are coming in. 
So the cupboard is far from bare. Just had a couple more points I wanted to get to on this episode. Make sure you have liked the video and subscribed to the channel while you're at it, if you haven't already. So I think in terms of Holden's dismissal, it really changes the wide receiver room specifically just because you don't have a lot of returning production at the receiver spot specifically. And it always helps to have a veteran that is kind of a plug and play type of guy. And I think that's what Holden ultimately, you know, was, was on track to be, but there's still some really good pieces in Oregon's passing game that uh, are, are returning, right? You have Terrence Ferguson who established himself as one of the top tight ends in the PAC 12. He's coming back. Uh, he comes back after a season in 2022 that saw him catch 32 passes for 391 yards and five touchdowns. And then you also have Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington, who were very reliable pass catching options out of the backfield for Oregon when they weren't busy running guys over and dominating the ground game behind one of the best offensive lines in the country. Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington combined for 53 catches and 468 yards. So you have two really capable catching uh, backs, you know, in the passing game that can help you affect things. Um, so I think that that's really good. And then you also have Patrick Herbert and Kenyon Sadiq in that tight end room. Patrick Herbert comes back after battling injury for a lot of his Oregon career. Uh, but he was fortunately for the Ducks able to stay healthy for pretty much the entirety of the, the 2022 football season. So he's back. Kenyon Sadiq is another guy that I think is a, a great pass catching option in your offense. You definitely want to get him in the weight room with Wilson Love to put on some more weight so he can maybe fulfill a little bit more of that traditional tight end role. The, the traditional tight ends that you kind of lose with, with Cam McCormick going to Miami and with Maliki Matavau transferring to UCLA. Uh, I think that those are two, two uh, you know, notable departures and, and Oregon is uh, a little bit thinner than I think they want to be at that tight end spot. So after missing out on some guys in the 2023 class in, at the tight end position, Jamari Johnson being the most notable one out of Inglewood, he returns uh, to the East Coast. He's originally a New York guy. He's going to be playing for Louisville. Oregon tried to uh, flip him late, but ultimately was unable to shake him from his commitment with the Cardinals. So all that being said, I think that Oregon's need at tight end could, uh, you know, kind of factor into the wide receiver picture a little bit here too, because he might already, I think Oregon's already going to be looking for uh, another tight end out of the transfer portal. You might as look at might as well look at adding a wide receiver out of the transfer portal as well. And there are still a number of talented options. Definitely notable that uh, the transfer portal window doesn't open again until May. So at that point, spring football will be wrapped up. Oregon's going to have a good feel for their wide receivers and how that room shakes out. You know how they feel like if we have to go into the season with this group. You know how do we feel about that? But all that to say, I think that Oregon could go to the transfer portal to grab another wide receiver. And there's still a number of good options out there, right? You know, there's, this is a crazy time in college football and there are still so many guys that are looking for a new home, you know, some familiar names on the board that could be worth a look. You have Gary Bryant jr. Who is a wide receiver transfer from USC. He played his high school ball at Corona Centennial, one of the Southern California powerhouses. Um, so I think that with him in the transfer portal still, you maybe want to give him a call. I think that uh, Miami and, and Arizona have looked like some of the uh, some of the options that I think I remember hearing a little bit of buzz about during uh, his time in the transfer portal, although it's probably worth noting that that was you know a month or so ago. But maybe this new need for Oregon makes him worth a call. And then you also have Dominic Blaylock at Georgia. Um, you know, I'm always interested to end 
to you know talk about Georgia transfers on this podcast or, or on my website because when Dan Lanning got hired, I think I've said it before. I feel like a lot of Oregon fans were just saying, you know, any any Georgia player, Oregon's a you know Oregon's a threat now. You know, Oregon's a able to, to get some of those Georgia guys. And I think that's obviously more likely on defense uh, as we saw that relationship with, with South former South Carolina edge rusher, Jordan Birch with Dan Lanning. That was a factor, but maybe there is some familiarity there with Blaylock. I, I'm not totally sure, but I think he's a, a name worth mentioning as one of the top guys in the, the portal. And then another name that I think some Oregon fans would be interested in at the wide receiver spot in the transfer portal is Warren Thompson from Arkansas. He was a former Oregon commit at wide receiver coming out of Armwood High School in Sefner, Florida. He was committed to Oregon during the Willie Taggart days. So uh, that definitely dates him a little bit. But, um, you know, obviously he he liked Oregon during his recruitment if he uh, ended up being a verbal commit at one point. And, and maybe he's worth a call now. And from what I remember, Warren Thompson was a, a taller wide receiver. So maybe that could help fill a little bit of a need that the Ducks have. Um because Treshawn Holden was 6'2", 6'3", kind of a guy. So those are a couple names. I'm going to see if I can work on some more transfer portal names in a new story on Ducks Digest. So keep an eye out for that. But I think that'll do it for us here on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to listen and support the channel and, and talk some Duck football with me. Just do me a favor and share the Ducks Dish Podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. That's a tremendous help and really, really helps support what I'm doing covering the Oregon Ducks football team, both on the field and on the recruiting trail. Until next time, you've been listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.